0: So what were you talking about? You didn't understand the reason people want home birth? Yeah, I I just didn't understand why we do it like people do it. Just because hospitals right here and every single one I've talked to is like so much better. It's actually super controlled, super safe. And I'm like, oh I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, there's a big screening process with the midwives to have a home birth. Oh, that I didn't know. Me either. (laughs) Because when my wife introduced us to the home birth, I thought, nah, let's do it in a controlled setting. Yeah. Then you realize the controlled setting is great, but for the afterwards, you're at the hospital and you you gave birth. You don't feel well. You want to be comfortable at home. Yeah. It's the best place to be, and yeah. yeah, but we don't understand that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like, dude, I get sick and I will be at home. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. If I'm at home and I've, I have a big stomach ache or something, yeah, and it was it's retching. Yeah, it's I don't want to go. I don't want to go to the hospital. Yeah, I want to stay in this comfy bed right yeah. now. <laughs> I know where the toilet is. I know where everything is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have medication, water, and everything. food. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It totally makes sense. Totally yeah. makes sense. Yeah, but it's it didn't good. back then, though. Now no. it. Now it does. Now it does. Yeah. 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 So, what's your favorite part about having that controlled setting? Well, it's just well. First of all, it's just you. It, everything's focused on you. And then there's no other like other people that's giving birth at the same time, so it's totally controlled. it's your environment you're familiar with everything around that surrounds you every like all maybe besides a midwife is the only stranger there well, there's two midwives, okay because she okay, has yeah, a, yeah, they assist each other, yeah, so there you go, instead yeah. of five six strangers in the room (laughs) (laughs) in this very important (laughs) event of your life. (laughs) (laughs) Then how do you handle it? Because do you normally work in a controlled environment? Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) No. No. We we rarely do. A controlled environment for us would be a well-lit room staff you get enough hands you get all the equipments there you don't have to carry it around or anywhere instead we get to work in people's dark houses (laughs) <laughs> With dogs, cats yelling at us or, or family members yelling at us <laughs> <laughs> while we carry our own little bags and our own bed into places. <laughs> so you're bringing all your gear in. Yeah. Well, it depends on the cases too. Sometimes we have the what we call a house kit. We always take that in and our cardiac monitor, which um, like, takes your vital signs, takes your EKG, um, almost does almost everything. But each one... Well, the cardiac monitor probably weighs 20 pounds. And then the house gets probably about 40 pounds. So <laughs> You're bringing in 60 pounds of gear? Yeah. So we bring in 60 pounds of gear. And then we get out... If the patient's 100 pounds, which rarely is... <laughs> uh, we take out 160 pounds. <laughs> Wait. So what, do they, what weight do they train you with? For, so for school... I don't know because it changes so much every year, but when I was in school, the heaviest we have to lift is 180 pounds in this spine board so that we carry, there's two of you that would carry, but there's also the test of bringing a, a bar up and down stairs that's 135 pounds. So, by yourself? By yourself, yeah. How many sets of stairs? Uh, about two flights, up and down, front, front and back. So about four times you do it. <laughs> What's front and back? So you go up f- like front ways, yeah, and you go backwards, <laughs> and then you go backwards up, and then front front down, or however however you want to do it. But either as way, you're doing, doing two yeah. fronts and two yeah. backs. Yeah, yeah, you're doing it <laughs> <laughs> up and down. No. What's the time limiter? What do you? What's There's the... no time limit as long as you do it controlled, uh, you do it safely. There's oh. no like slips or. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you can be precise with it yeah and not rushed yeah you have yeah yeah because uh slow smooth yeah smooth is fast right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> so with that spine board when would you use it uh the spine board we would probably use it uh mostly in like diffi- more difficult extrications where our bed can't uh, get in so let's say a person stuck between the bed and the wall like fell off the bed so we would slip that uh, spine or the scoop board in underneath them, and then try to lift them out of there. Yeah, we Do you have, you need to use the board. We have different. It actually is just uh, depends on preference. We have few multiple different ways. The best one, my favorite one, <laughs> not everybody's favorite, is this tarp we call the key seat. It literally is a tarp that's shaped like a. Like a seat (laughs) that has (laughs) handles (laughs) on both sides. And yeah, we just carry him out that. (laughs) Not the most comfortable way to get out. but Not the most comfortable for the patient? For the patient. But for the paramedic? Not the most comfortable one either. Then what makes it your favorite? (laughs) It's just easy to slip people in. (laughs) Oh, because it's quite mobile, it's flexible? Yeah. Yeah, quite mobile, flexible. It doesn't weigh anything. It's tarp, so right. Yeah. So then you were talking about there's a scoop board. Yeah, yeah. So the scoop board is just a spine board basically that splits in half and lengthwise or uh, lengthwise. Okay. So yeah. So and the middle part of it is super thin, so it's like a scoop. It scoops people up <laughs> so <laughs> so it, it like so. So it's pretty much a claw. Yeah, it goes on both sides of a patient. Yeah. And you just have to wiggle him a little bit just cuz sometimes you pinch uh, pinch the back <laughs> pinch their cheeks <laughs> <laughs> it's fun man yeah. yeah yeah your job sounds awesome yeah. half half the job is trying like figure out how to get you from here to our ambulance ambulance which is the most controlled <laughs> place we can be right now yeah. so that's majority of the work that's yeah, half, half the work is that, and then half the work is trying to stabilize you and get you safely <laughs> to the hospital if needed. So you call that <laughs> extricating? Yeah, extricating. So what's a memorable extrication you have? Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> one thing that comes to mind, maybe, is uh, this diabetic patient. She's laying in this king-size bed, right in the middle of a king-size bed, right? <laughs> and... She was like fighting us because she's got low blood sugar, so she's uh, has decreased uh, level of consciousness. So she just doesn't want anything to do with us. <laughs> and so we jabbed her with some um, glucagon, whole hoping, hoping that would raise her, her blood sugar up a little bit, help her, help her out a little bit. And then while we were waiting, we were like trying to figure out how to extricate her from the middle of the really big bed. Which, to mention too, she's already done peed on the bed. <laughs> she's super sweaty because <laughs> she's not fully there now, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> me and my partner got her on the spine board. So we like crawled into the bed <laughs> with her <laughs> and like trying to. While I was trying to hold her down, my partner was trying to slip the spine board underneath her. Once we get her on the board, she would just slip to the other side of the board. <laughs> <laughs> and then we try that again. She would slip to uh, around the other side now. <laughs> this is a comedy skit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is It is a comedy skit, man. It was funny. You should have seen my partner's frustrated face. <laughs> so we literally had family try to hold her down just so we could strap her up on the board so that we can safely... Take her out of there. But the glucagon didn't work. It worked once we, it probably worked within like 10 minutes. It is our fault too, though, because we didn't wait till <laughs> did it worked.
1: What made you say? you didn't wait?
0: We just, <laughs> we were both brand new. It's not an excuse. <laughs> but inside, we were both panicking. <laughs> so we jabbed her we are like let's go we gotta go <laughs> and yeah we should have you know, we should have waited because she did came back to like full consciousness She's like what's going on where am I going <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a good idea at the time <laughs> yes at the time like looking back now I was like wow <laughs> there's so many other ways <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get the needle in her if she was flailing and fighting Uh, it, so it's a quick I am like a, a To the shoulder. Yeah. So intramuscular, that's what IM is? Yeah, intramuscular one. So it's just, uh, we just use, we draw it up in a syringe. Yeah. And we just use a smaller needle and just jab her, give her a little (laughs) jab on (laughs) on the arm. (laughs) So that was one of your first, that was your rookie one? That was a rookie one, yeah. How would you have handled it differently now? I probably would have just waited. I probably should have started an IV. (laughs) Give her sugar because we do carry sugar. <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah. didn't even need the glucagon. You could no. have we could have started an IV. What about sugar what about giving her a sugar to eat? Um so we can't at that point because she's like not really conscious. So there's a a, a danger too of um her choking. Oh. So yeah. yeah, we don't we didn't want want to do that. So we could've we should've started an IV and give her dextrose. <laughs> i could have been to move <laughs> she could have stayed at home to be honest <laughs> <laughs> write that down for next time Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how long you've been doing the paramedic thing for um so i started in 2016 so yeah about eight years seven seven, seven? yeah yeah seven years yeah man that's a long <laughs> so time dude paramedic. yeah i've been a paramedic most of my time in Canada. Now, so. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so when you came, you came over. When yeah. did you come over, then uh, 2013. What made you decide you want to be a paramedic? Uh, to be honest, man, I had bad grades in high school. <laughs> <laughs> what? Don't say that. So, and the counselor I was talking to, so I told her like my parents wanted me in healthcare, <laughs> whatever it is. They want me to be in healthcare. I wanted to do welding. <laughs> <laughs> In my head, welding was plan A and plan B was healthcare. But <laughs> they give you that pressure. Yes. <laughs> well, thanks to them, though, I do enjoy the jobs, like <laughs> the job now. So, yeah. how did you feel when you first started? Oh, lost because. I didn't know what the job entails. I didn't know. I thought we were just going to drive the ambulance around. (laughs) (laughs) You thought all that schooling was for you to be an ambulance driver? Yeah. Well, I didn't even know, like, what the schooling is going to be. Like, when I was in high school, I didn't know what the schooling will entail until I was in. So what's the schooling entail? uh, So we had to learn anatomy physiology first. There's, like... A lot of um, sections to schooling like you have to learn your cardiac uh, cardiac assessment uh, education wise like the all the illnesses and pathophysiology and all that and then some you do respiratory um, medical emergencies like your diabetes and all that like there's so much in a small p- amount like period of time like I think the schooling was about seven eight months also oh, they cram it in your brain. They cram it in your brain. Yeah. we it's almost like you have to learn something new every day. So we'll do cardiac maybe this week and then next week will be um will be scenarios. And if you fail a scenario, you'll get to do another one. If you fail that, well then better luck next time if you want to come back. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was tough, man. I've seen – so we started off with 12 people in our class because I went to a rural site. I uh, went to Melville. We started off with 12 people and graduated with six, six of us. And I think there's only four maybe that are still paramedic. <laughs> there's only one that – oh, well, two of them I still talk to. <laughs> that's that's about it. <laughs> so only a third of the class graduated. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty common. Pretty common thing. Just because same thing. Like people don't know what they're going into. And once they do it, they're like, whoa, this is totally different than what I expected. <laughs> so they just drop out. Or sometimes, too, they do all the schooling. Finish it all off. And once you hop into the real, the real world, like do your practicum, it's like, there's another big eye op- opening it's a totally different case <laughs> so i was like oh this is not the world i was like thinking about <laughs> oh man okay yeah. we're gonna get back to that yeah. but you said you were you didn't have good grades so how did you crush it out and graduate i didn't have well in high school i didn't have good grades because i was i think i was lazy <laughs> It's it was more laziness <laughs> I don't think lazy is a real thing. <laughs> yeah, it was just like I didn't do homework. I didn't study. Not one bit in high school. Well, if then you I'm... weren't lazy then. It was priorities. Yeah. And probably. What were you doing well, instead? Nothing much really. Just <laughs> when I'm at home, I'm at home like hanging out. <laughs> I didn't study one bit, man. So what were you doing in high, during high school? Well, I did some sports. Uh, played baseball for a little bit, but... That's about it. Mostly video games, to be honest. Okay, so, but you, how good at video games were you? I was pretty good. So then you weren't lazy. <laughs> I was just doing something else. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I don't really believe there There's is no lazy. Uh, thing is hey? lazy. I guess so. That's that's actually a good point. Yeah, yeah. Because usually when somebody tells me they're lazy, well, what are you doing instead? They're doing something else, or maybe they're afraid to start. Or they're afraid to fail or they don't know how to start. Yeah. I think that's a big thing for me because once I focused on studying, I, it was, it was a breeze, which, uh, for paramedicine, like I said, it's such a small time period that you have to focus on, on, on schooling. If you want to finish. So during that time, how did you get through it? Um, well, I used to live with two other, uh, students and we just, yeah, (laughs) broke down. No, like, there's no messing around, (laughs) (laughs) like, especially as soon as, um, uh, people started failing and getting off school, like, and kicked out. So I was like, oh, they don't mess real. Yeah. This is real, man. This is real world can't be messing around with this. Yeah. So yeah. how helpful was it to have two other students with it was you? Super helpful. Yeah. What did you guys put in place to keep everybody in check? Um so we we have study period every single so every after school cuz weekends we would go home. And so every after school we would go to the gym, like just relax a little bit. And then we would set time for supper, we would set time for studying. And after, like, just you start here and you end right here. And after that, nothing. We'll do this again tomorrow. You get to bed. Then so, we, so we did that. We were huh, pretty accountable with, with each other. But we also partied hard. <laughs> 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 Yeah. still graduated. Still graduated. And had fun, right? Had fun. Oh, man. So that was the first part of schooling. So that strict routine. Strict routine got me through, man. Man. Yeah. So then what was eye-opening? What were you talking about when you start? Uh, Like for the practicum, like I think the practicum was really eye-opening for me. Like the very first time I was in a real ambulance doing calls. It's like, whoa. I was pretty I was a pretty shy, timid guy back back in the day. I hate talking to people. <laughs> I would talk to patients like, Hey, how's it going? What what's going on? Why'd you call? <laughs> That's actually quite soothing though. <laughs> no. Cause you have to be like yeah, you, ha- you have to be assertive. The job. You have to be assertive. You have to be precise, right? Like you have to ask questions at the right time have a flow with it, be organized with it. Well what was wrong with that soft voice? It was just people cut me off people cut you off. People would tell stories from the the eighties that how they got this and all that. No, there's no time for that right now. Oh the patient would <laughs> yeah. lead the conversation. Yeah. And I would just stand back. So we would stay <laughs> we would stay <laughs> longer than we needed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then, how did you change? What happened? Um, so you when you do your practicum, you get put on with paramedics, like real paramedics, licensed uh, paramedics that has experience, um, been on the street for a while. So yeah, they just showed me the ropes, and I've been lucky too that I've always had really good preceptors. They just told me. Like really open conversations, and told me what I'm doing wrong, what I'm, when I need to improve on, and that's one big thing about about it too. Like you're, even you when you're out of school, you're never done learning. You you should be a lifelong learner because even now I'm still learning new stuff, man. Yeah, it's <laughs> good. Yeah, it's still, sur- yeah, still surprised. Some you there's no. Two same calls. Every call is different. You might ask the same questions, but you would always get out like different answers every single time. There's no the same call. So every call is a learning opportunity. Okay. So let's start when you're a rookie. What was your first learning experience? Oh, the big one was probably just mostly, mostly was the, um, just the communications parts. It's so big in the job. So there's this show called Night Watch. It just follows around paramedics down in New Orleans. And I would watch that show, see how they would interact with people, see how they would communicate and um, how they deal with certain situations, how their tones change and all that. I Because English is second language for me. So it's, I'm kind of like behind, I had to learn how to talk, how to um, like what tone, what, how, how, like how loud, how, how smooth, I'd, like have to learn how to communicate with people. Hopefully. And it took a while, probably my whole, um, my whole practicum in, in PCP, like the very first practicum I did probably the whole time. And then even after school, so I worked in Cornac, Saskatchewan, pretty quiet town. And so on my time off, I would just watch that show. Just watch that show, watch that show, talk, to, try to talk to as many people as I can throughout the day. I would go to like uh, the local restaurant, talk to people there. Man, so you took it on yourself to improve. Yeah, yeah. it's. I worked on it. Oh, how was it in the beginning working on it? It was tough. It was tough because I realized um, I was pretty timid, shy, and I would work doing like a flow chart in my head. Like these are the questions I would ask. If they see, say this, I would do this. And so working in a flow chart and like a protocol-wise as a paramedic is pretty bad. You miss out a lot, a lot of um, details, a lot of important informations. And yeah. Oh, so you were a robot in the beginning. Yeah, I was a robot in the beginning. I had a checklist in my head, and that's that's all I did. (laughs) Check the box. Yeah. So, what'd you miss in the beginning? Let's say they're complaining about like a right shoulder pain type thing, right? So, I would investigate did you fall? No. Did you work this? And like, did you do this? Do this? Like, no. I was like, so I would just, after all my flow charts done the questions are done and like i would just sit back and like oh okay so why are we going to the hospital or something like that to which i would miss like oh maybe she's having a chest pain that's why her shoulders uh, <laughs> rate <laughs> like and it's radiating to her shoulder so that's why maybe her shoulders uh having some pain right and yeah you would miss so much if you're a robot so you were only looking at the symptom, not trying yeah. to figure out the cause. Yeah. Let's say, like, if I had asked, like, what do you usually, have you had this before? This pain? What usually were you doing when you when this come, comes on? Or, like, something like, just generalized questions, right? Like, go through everything, right? <laughs> and I think experience comes to part, two, but just... Biggest thing is just communications. So that's top for... Yeah, that's a big thing, man, because you talk. You have to talk to people in this job. Yeah, like if you're a real introverted person that hates to talk to people, that doesn't interact, like be on your phone all the time, can't be in the moment, it's tough, man. It's but you you sound like you're describing your me. past self. Yeah. Yeah. And that comes back to, I didn't know what the job entailed, right? <laughs> I yeah. thought it was just driving. <laughs> <laughs> so then what made you keep going with it? I, I was already in it. <laughs> what, is it some cost policy? Or what's going on? No, it was just, I'm, something is like, I don't know, something in me that's just, if I start it. I'm gonna see it through. Yeah, you don't want to be a quitter. No, I I hate being a quitter. Yeah, <laughs> leaving just, something left on the table. Yeah, I I don't like that. It's yeah, cause it'll eat it. It'll just eat me. Oh yeah, I feel you on that. Yeah, like what if the what ifs? I hate what ifs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Because <laughs> it'll you'll wake up with it was like oh what if right yeah what if I finished it yeah 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 that was that phrase I love it. There are two pains in life. Mm -hmm. The pain of regret and the pain of discipline. The only difference is the first one Mm -hmm. weighs tons. Yeah, I believe it. And the latter weighs ounces. Yeah. Yeah. I would, yeah. Learn. (laughs) (laughs) What's a big lesson you learned in the beginning? Um. Probably just how different it is out there. Like, just in general, being a paramedic, like a, the biggest eye-opener. It's like, oh, it's not, not as rainbows and butterflies out there, man. All right, give me some storms. Let's see what we got. Um, Well, a big thing that comes to mind, especially recently, just mental health problems. Plus, he mix in the drugs and that, too. That's big. The drugs plus mental health plus you get the homelessness you get uh chronic the chronic illnesses and all that it's it's bad it's bad out there yeah i don't i don't know people are trying their best to help out every resource all the help that you can get is available out there it's just the epidemic is just so much worse and it gets worse by the day you sound as if this really weighs on you man oh <laughs> yeah well it sometimes you get you just get tired of it too so, cause I don't know it's yeah it's cause in order to be to help someone someone also ha- has to be willing to be helped right and sometimes it's just better for like for them it's just better to stay on the life that on the lifestyle that they they've picked instead of getting better right so what weighs the most for me is um somebody said the recently and i was like whoa that's actually what's happening is you grief alive people you what? You like you treat them as though they're like if they don't really want to be helped. Say you have a family, right? That's into drugs. And families my family's actually going through it right now too. You want to help them. Right? You give them all the resource, all the um all the help that they need that you think they need. But they would Show up one day and then the next day, then they're just gone. There's nowhere to be found, nothing. So, would it be better to just grieve them, like as if they're already gone? Just so you have that peace in yourself. You don't have to keep forcing yourself onto them because they don't want it. You've already had like it's their choice. Even if it's I don't know, it's it's a tough subject to talk to about, but it's it's bad, man. I don't know how how it can get better. So are you in that spot where you wanna leave it? Right now, well right now I've I've already left it. Yeah, I've Wait, what? The job? No, would you but, leave? Uh, I just, I just said like, well, if he doesn't want to be helped, well, that's just, that's just it. It's, oh, you're talking about the family? Yeah, it's the way it is. It's we're here if he needs, but, Well. Uh, yeah. But you haven't actually left. No, you're more here. so. You took off the pressure. and You say, yeah, when you're ready. I'm here, yeah, and it's even then. It's like, cause it's already been done before, right? Like, say they've said, they've said, like, yeah, I'm ready. Um, I need to, uh, like, I'm ready to change and all that. They would go through all the process again, and then next day it, they're gone again, gone through the same hole again, and it's tough because you could see from like you could see it on others uh, the other family members that's like it's weighing down on them too yeah you see that toll they're it's yeah. taking on the whole system yeah and it's tough cuz then it's like you get all that weight and then it just gets spread around throughout the family right and it's and it's constant it's constantly oh. there and like no I matter how little it is it'll wear yeah, you down over yeah. time yeah, you get you get that constant worry, you get that constant Yeah. Uh, yeah. So how are you getting past it? What are you doing? Uh what about that family? It's just I just as as bad as it sounds, man, it's just like I'm I'm that's it. You washed your hands, <laughs> Yeah, <it. laughs> I'm I'm done, man. Like you're an adult, you've made your decisions, we've tried that, that's it like it's I was yeah. talking to you Kale the oh yeah f- from the gym yeah. and he does that brief and social detox yeah and he says that's the same thing that happens Is so, yeah. sometimes you can love somebody to death yeah so you might be doing the right thing man where you're you stop enabling yeah remember I, I, just, I think it's just much better grief them yeah, <laughs> yeah. grief the alive people Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. (laughs) So along the way here, what do you, what do you keep learning that's new that pops up when you're on the job? So now I've actually started with uh, a new company uh, about a year ago and it's a really well run company. It's, It's a pretty big company out where I work right now. So, we always get new people almost every 3 months and just training, training. And I think that's a big thing like just be leadership, like the big one right now for me is just leadership. And that's a big thing to be learned because um in my head I'm still a rookie. <laughs> but <laughs> I gotta take that out. You got imposter syndrome, buddy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I was just talking to uh, one of the youngest people in our uh, company the other day, and she said her age. And, like, she's, I just turned 20. I was like, what? <laughs> I remember when I used to be the youngest. <laughs> now I'm an old man. <laughs> no, I'm an old man. No. <laughs> So, yeah, I got to um I got to step up, gonna yeah. tighten up a little bit. So, what do you cause. mean company? So, with paramedics, you don't work for the province? Um so most services we do work for the province. Uh, the province, we have our own um college of paramedicine. So, a governing body that's for the whole province. But each service is mostly different from the next some services would be private service like it has its own private owner different ways in how they run the service and some services too is run by the health authority itself so by the um the province itself oh so you when you're a paramedic you can go private yep. or you can go with sask health yeah yeah what made you decide to go private way. It's just, they gave me a full-time uh. position. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it before? So before, so I was a PCP. I was full-time down in Carlisle, Saskatchewan, and then did some casual work around Estevan And it was good. And then I decided to come do my ACP here. That's when I met you, dude, doing jiu at Grams there. And after I was done with that, finding, I don't know why, but at that point, finding an employment as an ACP was pretty tough. Uh, Carlisle doesn't hire ACPs because they're, <laughs> they're a BLS service. So there's that. there That's a private service. So that's their rules too. There What's BLS? Get. So that's your basic life support. So they only hire PCPs, strictly PCPs. Yeah. So you were overqualified? over Too qualified for them. <laughs> as, oh. as, <laughs> yeah, as big a head as that sounds, <laughs> too overqualified for them. That's so strange. Yeah. So they didn't want me back. Um, so I did casual, casual work in Esteban. Um, and so I did that. And still, after school, I was still pulling casual shifts in, in Carlisle. Which they only paid me about six dollars less. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. So from what I get, usually supposed to get. So, but <laughs> oh man, you've been through it, dude. <laughs> yeah, been yeah. And then this position right now came up, so I was like, ah, let's go, time to move. Uh, yeah. So then you are training rookies that come on. So now, well, I, so now I'm an ACP. So that's the advanced care. And so the service I work with right now is considered as an ALS service, advanced life support service. So just more medications, a uh, b- bigger uh, scope of practice. We can do so much more than the BLS. But don't get me wrong, with BLS, you get PCPs right now, they're super skilled than what I w- <laughs> compared to when I got out of school back in the day. Super skilled now, super educated. What made the change? From To make them super skilled from when you left? The, just their, uh, their scope of practice just keeps getting bigger and bigger every year. Oh, for a primary care? For a primary care, yeah. There's a few medications that they get now that I used to not have back when I gra- uh, finished school in PCP. So now they can do... When I, when I finish school... PCP, we weren't able to give uh, antiemetics, like uh, your Gravel, your Zofran. So if you have a no- nauseous patient, you just, good luck. Bro. Here's, a, here's a bag. <laughs> <laughs> but that changed, like, a year or two after I graduated PCP. So they can give antiemetics now, um, Gravel, Zofran. And recently, to. They started Ketorolac. So. <laughs> what is that? Toradol. So like a pain reliever. So anti-inflammatory one. So if you hurt yourself uh, doing something, hurt your back, hurt your shoulder, you go to the hospital. They'll give you a shot of Toradol. Works so well. And, and PCPs can do that now. PCPs can do that now. <laughs> when yeah. would you do that? Um, Just. Minor injuries, if that works. Um, Injuries, pains, if they have pain. And there's some um, protocols about it, which at work we always have our uh, references available to us. They can do so much. The PCPs, they're super skilled, super knowledgeable people. Oh, yeah. And that's due to them expanding their scope? Yeah. The scope's expanding every single day. Something changed. If you can't catch up, you're going to get left behind. Oh, I, man. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm an ACP at this company. ACPs are considered as senior medics because we have the skills. We have the um, experience. Every time we do a hiring, usually what happens is you get to train the new people as an ACP. Just because you like you're considered as a senior medic. Even though I'm super new at this company, it's like, oh, okay. I can't be, (laughs) (laughs) You can't step up, dude. I got to step up. I can't just be lax all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So how's training the newbies? Pretty good. Like I worked with one the other day showing the ropes. I actually enjoyed doing it too. We had a talk about like before this all started, I had a talk with my manager and he's like, yeah, you're going to be a senior medic. You gotta get tight you have to tighten up. You can't be <laughs> 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 just lax all the time. I was like for, ten four, ten four. Roger that. <laughs> Check. Check. <Yeah>. Check. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's just that just like what you did, just a checklist, right? Like lead by example. Can't be missing out stuff. Can't be uh just too relaxed. Gotta do the job to a T just because someday these people that you're training will start to train people too. And if you don't have any pride on what you're doing right now, that'll just dwindle down the, the quality. Yeah. So you want to teach in sure. the best possible yeah. way, the most technical and precise you can yeah. be. Yeah. And that's super important in the, in the profession too. Like you, you have to be almost perfect. I know there's no perfect, but. You got to get close. You got to get close. 1% better every day. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so then how do you handle this struggle for perfection? Uh oh, it's, it's a big stress, man. Yeah, because you got to lead people and, yeah, it's, yeah, it's sometimes a big stress. <laughs> it, how yeah. do you cope with it? Well, keep busy. I, well, uh, it's. Right now, summer. Summer. I love summer because I I do a lot of mountain biking in the summer. (laughs) Hell yeah! Yeah, Yeah, you have to have a perfect balance in in life too. Like, not everything can just be at work. Like, yeah, when you come home, you have to do something else. Because if you put your life with work, I don't know. Some people do it. Good for them. I can't, man. Like, I got to do something else on days off. I, yeah. I have that little bit of, um, maybe the day before a tour, because we call like a rotation a tour. So a five day tour. A day before the tour, I would prepare, like, get all, get the food, get, like, just having that, getting that mindset that you're going to be on tour tomorrow. And, yeah, just you got to be, be in that mindset for the whole five days. After that, do you, man? <laughs> <laughs> you got to be accountable with your actions. You got to be responsible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you want to be yeah. on for those five. Yeah. You so, what do you be... do you prepare? What's going on? Try to get some sleep, especially because we do on call. So, sometimes at night you get called in might get four, three hours sleep, two hours sometimes. So you do your 12-hour shifts, and after that, you go home with your radio. What? Yep. Yep. And you be on call. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you you do the 12, Mm -hmm. you go home, and you bring that radio home with you. Yep. And how soon can they call you again? Uh, It depends on the call volume. Oh, but they can call you whenever they want. Whenever they want, whenever they need yep yeah. if the crew on shift gets busy, say they're out of town and a a call in town comes in, oh, you gotta get sued up, buddy. Let's go <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's a terrible call to be present at? Oh, ah, uh, I'd say with kids, maybe, probably with kids to be present at yeah, with kids. It still gets me the chills sometimes. I have a partner that's super good with kids. I love working with her because she's super good with kids. That's her just, just her jam, right? Everyone has their jam at work. And yeah, she's super good with kids. So if we do a call with kids, she's just on top of that. But kids usually aren't sick, right? The only thing good about kids, though, is they don't have a lot of um, chronic diseases. Like they don't. Have COPD, like breathing problems. They've never had a heart attack in the past, and they've never had a bypass or a stent, <laughs> <laughs> right? They. So, so what? What is your difficulty with the kids? It's when they're sick. They're super sick. It just brings them real down. You could get like a febrile seizure. You could. Just sometimes too, like it's pretty common that we have a pretty familiar kid at uh, work that she's super epileptic. As she go gets into seizures for about twenty minutes, thirty minutes. It's just tough to see those little guys be be sick. Yeah. And what do you do when they have a seizure? Uh, we have medications for them. Uh, we give them Versed. So uh, Versed uh. Uh, benzo, the Aspam, so. Ben- oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not no, a quiz, they... man. But you have meds to give them. How do you administer it? Um, So we give them IM, usually. If they're seizing, it's tough to start an IV, especially in a kid, man. They got tiny, tiny arms, tiny veins. So uh, these are uh, these people at the... Pediatric hospital here is Super good at that. <laughs> Those I'm tiny veins. terrible. I'm terrible at kids IVs. Bring me an old grandma every day. I'll start an IV. What a grandma! How come? <laughs> any anyone, any older person, just not a kid. I'm terrible at kids. <laughs> Like, if I have stats, maybe it's, oh, dude, I don't know. It's probably less than 60% success rate for kids. <laughs> and you let them know right beforehand, right? No. <laughs> it's all in here. <laughs> you just feel it in your heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just different with kids. Sometimes, too, maybe the next two of them is just deaths, too. Well, it's sad because it's death call, but. It's mostly just talking to the pa- uh, patient's family like that because after you have your patient, then after they're gone, you have to focus on the family now because you have to take them through that grieving process, right? Like you have to you have to let them know that their family member is dead and you have to use that word. You can't beat around that word. You can't be using he or she is in a better place. He or she is gone. Nope. Your family member is dead. Is that in the protocol? No, it's just easier. Okay. Okay. So it's clear. Yeah, so it's clear. You have to be clear for them. Like We have come in, tried our utmost to get them back. But sadly, their heart is far gone now. And your family member is dead, or has died. How many times you got to break that news? How many times you've done it? When I was in, in ACP school here, when I did my practicum, every single <laughs> dead person we go to, they made, like, my preceptors made me do it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn! <laughs> so you got pretty good at it. I got, yeah, you have you have to do it. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> Isn't that tough? It's like it well, just yeah, makes because you feel like, you're, but you also feel as if you failed too, because you came there to help, and yeah, then yeah, I think that's a big thing to for the job, like just to separate yourself from like you did your job. This is a job. You do work, and you do your utmost best. But no, you can't be saving everyone, man. You're not Superman. (laughs) Yeah. When did you learn that lesson? Uh, First job. Very first job in Estevan. My manager told me, don't be a, well, don't come into this work thinking you're a hero. We don't work in tights. (laughs) Only (laughs) Superman does that. (laughs) You had a good mentor then. Yeah. Super good. Uh, yeah, like I said, I'm super blessed, lucky that throughout the career I've had good mentors, and it still keeps going; it never stops. Yeah, what's yeah. a trait of a good mentor to you? I think it's just be open. Whoever, and it, it's in me too. Like if you tell me I'm shitty at something, I'm pretty open. My I'll work to be to be better at that. You prefer uh, yeah. for them to tell you what you're shitting yeah. at. So you can improve on it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm proud to say, like, that's one thing I'm really good at. Um, if you tell me I'm bad at things, 10 4. <laughs> it'll change. Yeah. It'll change. It'll come. It might not be right away, but. You're working on it. Yeah. I'll work on it. What are you working on right now? Leadership. <laughs> 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 yep. Yeah. How's it coming? What are you doing to um, improve? So now I kind of have a, a mental checklist. Like uh, I'm pretty confident that I'm a good paramedic. The only thing is, um, say an example, uh, we do a bad call. We would uh, use up a whole lot of uh, equipments and stocks and like say syringes here, medications over there. I used to just like miss a lot. Of restocking, I don't like. I just restock what I remember. Sometimes, like I, I forget to clean up the ambulance and all that. Just slacking, that. So you weren't checking your kit and restocking everything that. No, the big one we did, and that was when I got the talk, and I was like, "Yes, I have been slacking." Was the big one was uh I missed. To stock uh, an, ambu bag, an Ambu bag like a BV we call it the BVM. so if you stop breathing, that's the it comes in a mask and a pretty big bag on the side that's connected to the mask so we would use that to help you breathe. Okay, so, with, so this mask goes right over the nose and the mouth. yeah and then you're, and, then, and you're squeezing this little bag yeah so that it will I will breathe for you with that bag. And it's called a... Uh, it's called a BVM. Uh, it's a bag valve mask device, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Easy that the bag name, valve Yeah, the, the name explains itself, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Some people call it Ambu bag because the brand itself is Ambu. Okay. Um, but yeah, I forgot to restock that. How many do you carry normally? So we carry two, I think two in a truck. There's one in the cupboards inside the ambulance and the most important one is in the kit. Because that's what we take inside the house or wherever you are <laughs> <laughs> to try to breathe for you, right? And, yeah, I didn't restock the one on the kit. Yep. So how'd they solve it? What happened then? Uh, the next day, because we do checks every single day. We have a big checklist. We do checks, check our oxygen, check equipments and all that. Yeah, the next crew that came in, boom. I was missing an Ambu bag. Didn't put it back in. Oh, they didn't need it at the time, but it was nope. missing. Oh, it was okay. just missing. So, so it wasn't a critical piece it, at that time. At that time, it wasn't, but it could have been. <laughs> totally. Yeah. T- you never know. Yeah. So, yeah, that was like the last straw. I was like, yep, yeah, can't be doing that. So now it's just checklist. Yeah. So you got that tarp with the handles. That's one of your favorite pieces of equipment. What's favorite. another favorite piece of equipment? Uh, probably our stretcher. Our stretcher itself, just because it's electric. Not everyone gets electric stretcher. Okay, so what's the difference between a stretcher and that spine board? Uh, so the spine board is what we usually, if you're, uh, you just, we just put you in it temporarily and then we put you in our stretcher. Then that's how we transport you from point a oh, to Oh, the stretcher is the, the thing with the wheels then? Yeah. Okay, yeah. and the spine board is only a board. Yeah. It's, All right. a, it's a long board that. It looks like a surfboard, to be honest. All right, gotcha. Yeah, that has handles on the side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, probably a stretcher. My favorite, uh, next favorite equipment. So, uh, when do you cause... use it? What happens? Uh, well, we usually like if we got a call here right now, we would leave it outside your porch, and we I would put it down to like knee high, and then we get you on it, press a button, it would go up. Oh yeah. Instead of powering all through. Yeah. I think that's my next best thing. <laughs> so top 3 would probably be the key seat, the stretcher, and then probably our our cardiac monitor, the LifePak 15s. Those things are nice too. They just especially cuz um we we use them so much almost in every call. We take vital signs with it. We take EKGs on it. Um, If we give a medication, we could set it up so that you could like timestamp it. So you could come back to your call later on. And then at this time I did this, I did this. Yeah. So it's. Oh, it keeps a log of it on it. Yeah. It's manually. So you have to still manually log it in, but. Yeah. But you can put it on that device. Yeah. Reports are so much easier with that. And yeah, it's, it's handy, man. It's. Honestly, the ambulance, even now, it still surprises me how advanced it is inside. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. So what are some of the advanced features? Um, we could work a whole cardiac arrest in the field. So, All right. You got to explain this to me. So cardiac arrest, what's going on? So cardiac arrest uh, is when your heart just stops beating completely. Technically, you're dead. And we will work you from from the first minute, and to thirty minutes. If it's BLS, that's a protocol. And if it's ALS with the ALS drugs, including epi, amio, um, ACLS protocols, it's uh, twenty minutes. So we will work you from your home. We won't even transport you. The whole like the whole cardiac arrest work we will stay at home. Hold on, what makes it so the BLS you get to do for thirty minutes and the ALS you're doing for twenty minutes? So BLS once, uh, so you would they would do CPR, so your ca- cardio pulmonary resuscitation that would include the the like the classic thumping on the chest, right? Like <laughs> yeah. You're pushing on the chest. So you would do that. You would do your uh, defibrillation like the what you see on movies where they charge and then clear poof so you they would do that every 2 minutes and then so you get all of that for, as BLS and then you get your um ambu bag too <laughs> which is super important yeah. yeah and then yeah you get that you, we stick this little tube down your throat just to help you breathe like get all that air in out all that hey when you're doing that how do you make sure it doesn't go into the stomach um so it's a pretty cool device it's so it looks like uh a a ladle basically oh a ladle okay yeah so it it looks like that and then you just stick it in their mouth like facing up towards their nose yeah so you stick it in and that should hopefully shut shut off the esophagus like block off the esophagus and get all that air towards your your lungs. Oh, because of the shape. It wedges itself in. Yeah. 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 It's a super cool device. So it's inserted blindly. So we have that. And then us ACPs can also do uh, intubation, direct direct view intubation where we actually go in your mouth, like look at, like we have a blade, uh, a laryngoscope. And we would actually look down your throat, find your esophagus, find all the uh, anatomy that we needed to landmark, uh, find your uh, vocal cords, and then pass a tube through your vocal cords, and then inflate that so that the balloon will like the tube will stay in there, like situate itself and actually like blow air th- straight down your uh, into your lungs, into your lungs. That's what intubation is. That's what intubation is. So that's, we can do that. ALS, so BLS, they can do the eye gel. It's called the eye gel. The, the other tube that you just insert blindly. Okay. Yeah, and it's super handy. So you get that uh, help. You get help breathing. You get help pump your, uh Get your chest, uh, your CPR, and then uh, get defibrillated. The only thing you don't get with BLS is the ACLS drugs, which is um, ep- epinephrine, um, amylo, um Yeah. So what does it's amio? So, drone? So it's uh, am- anti-arrhythmic. <laughs> antiarrhythmic. So when you go into cardiac arrest, you could. So when your heart stops, what we're trying to get back actually is the electrical movement, like, uh, an organized electrical movement in your heart. Oh, the rhythm. The rhythm. There yeah, so there's electricity in your heart. So what we're trying to get back is just an organized rhythm. So everything to synchronize. Yeah, everything. Right now, us sitting here has that synchronized uh we call it the sinus rhythm. So it comes from the the sinus uh part of your heart. It comes from the top. And then it just it it's a whole different like a whole pathway and everything it's a whole there's it's got its whole system to it so um once you're in cardiac arrest that rhythm just goes to shit so everything's just um out of whack the electricity is just firing left and right whatever there's no there's no rhythm okay they're pulling it all in different directions nothing's beating properly yeah okay so what we're trying to get back is that synchronized rhythm So that's what the shocks are for. Hit that restart button. Hopefully it'll... So what's that amnio do? So amnio helps with the... So once you get into this cardiac arrest, you get two rhythms. Two out of three rhythms possible. It's called the V-fib and the V-tach. So uh, ventricular tachycardia is like when you're the electricity that tries to get your heart pumping that starts it off. It's not starting off from your um, sinus node anymore. Like from where, like, so sinus node is where it should start. It looks kind of organized, but it's just huge spikes, huge spikes you don't see because uh, on the EKG, there's rules that you need to see this and you need to see this and you need to see this. And that's the sinus. But VTAC is just big shark fins it look it would look like at yep. random. Uh, no, it would it would be like one after the other. Okay, so it it would be fast, but your heart will not pump with that. Okay, so that's Vtac. That's Vtac. And then Vfib was the V-fib other one. Is the other one where it c- comes from much? I think it comes from m- more bottom of your heart. But it's but what you would see it on the monitor, it'd be sc- yeah, pretty much it'd somebody be scribbling. Yeah. For the other one scrubbing. is big high peaks, yeah, yeah, so um amyo is uh, antiarrhythmic. It affects the pathways of your heart basically that it will help stop that vTAC and v or vfib that hopefully that plus your um defibrillation plus your c p r hopefully will get a rhythm back. Oh, so it stops one of the things from happening. Yeah. So it's hey, it's telling your heart, hey, stop freaking out in this area. Yeah. I'm trying to help you. Yeah. So it's a, it, it's it's consider it like a bouncer. Yeah. Yeah, whoa. Party's over, boys. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Paramedics have arrived. Yeah. So what does epinephrine do? So epinephrine, that's your adrenaline. It is naturally produced by your body. So uh, that's your fight or flight that makes your heart beat fast. So we give them that and hopefully it'll help the heart beat back again. Really? Yeah. So how do you administer that? Everything's IV. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we would we would come in, start an IV, give them lots of fluids, get that volume up and going. And then... Give them medication. Everything's IV. If we miss, if we can't start an IV, we would go IO, which is intraosseous. That would go straight to your bone marrow. Okay. So we would take out the drill. (laughs) Where do you drill? (laughs) We would drill it uh, either on the shoulder. There's a spot on your shoulder we could put it in. So in your humerus? Yeah, in your humerus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, in the humeral head. All right. So uh, or uh, at the top of your tibia. Okay, because yeah. it's prominent, it's right there. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I got see you. See that flat surface? You, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's prime <laughs> prime space for that. <laughs> so, so you yeah. drill and then you put it into the bone marrow. Yeah. So we stick the needle into this, um, into this drill, and yeah, it it would feel like drilling a drywall to you. <laughs> yes. How does it feel <laughs> to the patient? Apparently, the drilling itself doesn't hurt. What hurts most is when the fluid starts flowing because you have to move. It's a tight space and bone doesn't expand, right? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so yeah, if they're if they can feel if they're conscious and we need to do that, we have to put in some lidocaine just to numb the numb the area before we start pushing fluid in. All right, just to help out with the pain. Oof. But I've never started one in a conscious person. It's always been during the cardiac arrest, <laughs> which. Yeah, it's how is it when they come back? Uh, I've only had one person that actually came back and I actually asked him if there was a light. There's no, no, no light on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> he just can't remember what happened because I was on transport with this person. So I was so the way the ambulances is, is set up. So you get a bed here. And on the head end of the bed is the captain's chair. So we would sit there and then I would be looking at you laying, looking that way. And uh, and so this person was like sitting up a little bit. So I had the monitor behind him. So I was staring at the monitor and I saw the rhythm. It's like, Oh, that's not bumps. Cause sometimes the monitor would read the bumps in the road too. And I was like, that is so organized that it, it cannot be bumps. So I, Went in, checked on him, and yeah, he was out. No pulse. So I grabbed the monitor out of there, out of the way, put him flat, started CPR, called my partner in the back. We put the pads in, shocked him once, and then I think we did uh maybe five, ten compressions on him. And then he like blinked and then like oh made a sound and was like, oh, he's back. Oh yeah. How I- did that feel? Oh, uh, he said just just his chest is, is sore. No, That's I mean how did it feel for you cuz this is the you oh, only had one. Yeah, I was ecstatic. I was like, <laughs> "Bro!" <laughs> I literally told him I was like so excited that the <laughs> the <laughs> professionalism just went out the window. I was like, "Bro, you just died, man." <laughs> and <laughs> he was like <laughs> and he was like, "Really?" And I told him Dude, we, need, we gave you a shock and did CPR on you. And all I could get out was, thank you. Ah, oh, nice. <laughs> so you was, were surprised it actually worked. Yeah, that was the first time. <laughs> and I've done a few already that they usually don't come back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that one was, it's because the CPR was started right away. And he was defibrillated right away. Oh, so you needed that immediacy. Yeah. So, immediate, uh, your chances is huge. Just big chances. Yeah. Yeah. So, you have this extra knowledge. How does that affect the way you think about the world when you go out? Oh, you just can't. You you have. Sometimes I have to stop like myself because I just assess situations all the time. (laughs) 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 And then I have to readjust that. Maybe their emergency. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's, so what are you assessing? So what's happening? So, let's say somebody's losing their mind over something small, right? And for me, it's like, oh, that's not an emergency. Deal with like it this way or this way. But like sometimes you gotta like check myself. Like, yeah, oh, well, that's an emergency for some people. Oh, because you Just know cause, what? A, in your mind, yeah, you know what a real emergency <laughs> yeah. is. It's you yeah it's it's different man it's and then like sometimes assessing exits <laughs> how to take, or like if you see someone like fitting a description of this chronic illness it's like, yep, you have this, you have this <laughs> uh, yeah, you could just diagnose you could diagnose people out in the streets like, yep, that. so what do you see Tell, let, let me know. Um say people carry oxygen tanks just around yeah you have a COPD you're probably a smoker back in the day or either that or you just have lung cancer or something say some swollen legs you probably have some heart issues your heart's not pumping really probably pumping real real good so that's why <laughs> fluid's backing up down your legs <laughs> 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 yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right give me yeah. another one one more What's a big one that's pretty common oh maybe the the big one's probably the um the fentanyl walking you know we call it it's like this just uncontrolled just gyrating yeah, down yeah. the sidewalk. You know the walk. Yeah. I don't know the walk. <laughs> like, I don't go just... out past 8 p.m., man. <laughs> I got kids, dude. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's safe, man. Don't go out there, man. Past 8 p.m., certain streets, you can't be around. <laughs> yeah, just zero control with body movements, no fine controls. Yep. So just... it's big, only gross movements, and you're seeing him... But yeah. they're still walking though they're still walking they're walking somewhere, <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah. so you've been around the province a bit um southeast of part of the province I've been around like it's <laughs> I've worked down there almost all my career the southeast part like, what's I an intense that? place to be um, I would say. Well, right now would probably be Regina, Saskatoon. I haven't worked in Regina or Saskatoon. I just did practicum here mostly in Saskatoon. It's busy out here, man. When I did my practicum here, we'd probably do seven, eight, sometimes ten calls. It's crazy. If that, too, if you don't get stuck down in the RUHER just waiting for a room. We were there one time for six hours. That's half your shift. <laughs> what are you doing for six hours? No, we're just hanging out with the patient because we can't get a room. What? Yeah. So what do you do with the patient? We just they just lay in our they just lay in our in our cot in our stretcher. Can you play a board game or something with them? No, you just hang out with them. <laughs> 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 I mean, I guess you could maybe play cards with them or something, but do something. Yeah conversation yeah. conversations we talk yeah what's a memorable a- conversation you had uh dude uh, wait hold on are you able to answer this are you allowed to oh, yeah okay yeah. cool yeah i just yeah i just can't disclose where probably where i probably work or something i don't know yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> i, I <just>, got gotcha. you yeah. <laughs> most memorable one? Huh. Oh. i don't know maybe something that i was most surprised was like this one cancer patient, he, so he owned a business in town, like a pretty successful business. Don't tell me the town. Yeah. And then <laughs> <laughs> he, he retired a few months later, got diagnosed with stage four cancer. So he's pal- like, he's palliative. This Palliative just means like there's nothing else. You're just waiting to die. What's surprising is this guy's super accepting with that. He's just such his life, basically. Met death as if he was an old yeah, friend. Yeah, and I was like, "Well, that's maybe a good thing." I don't know. Like at that point, it like puts to perspective. Like maybe knowing when you're gonna go is like a good thing or not. I don't know. It's like, probably kind of freeing. Probably, because yeah, he was just super accepting with it. Have yeah. you seen anything? contrary to that? Um not really. Probably because contrary to that is just we're just met with panic usually. <laughs> How much panic do you deal with? Oh, a lot of panic, man. So much panic. Like one time we had a guy met us outside. We haven't even got out the the <laughs> ambulance. <laughs> Knocked on my door, scared the heck out of me. <laughs> like, Whoa, are we here for you? Are you the patient? He was like, Yeah, I'm short of breath. Give me oxygen. So I opened the back door. So we have two doors in the ambulance we have the side door and those two back doors that you always see, right? So he hopped in the side door and then he ran towards the back door. He was trying to open it like he was gonna jump out the other way. I was like, Dude, where are you going? Short of breath, sit, sit down. And he's like, I can't sit down. I'm gonna die. Like, okay, let's check you out. I'll give you some oxygen. Just settle down. Just sit down in one place. He, oxygen was good. His levels were good. Everything, all his vital signs were good. Just a quick panic attack. (laughs) Oh, man. And he called an ambulance for that. Yeah. Which for people is an emergency, right? Like, well, if you're having trouble breathing, yeah. Yeah, it is. Or you've never understood what trouble breathing really is. Yeah. Yeah, it is an emergency for them. It's yeah, it probably feels like they're drowning. That's probably what it feels like. And yeah, it's it's yeah, it's suffering. terrifying. Yes. Then yeah. yeah, He needs the help right now? Yeah, yeah I, had, I also had uh, close. Well, not really close drowning. I felt like I was gonna drown because I don't swim. <laughs> <laughs> so it probably feels like that. Just this summer, I told my buddy like he. Well, we went out, went out to his cabin out in the Lake, and I told him I'm gonna try to wakeboard, bro. And he didn't know I can't swim. I didn't tell him that I don't swim. You should probably tell him. I should have probably told him. <laughs> 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 it felt like I was drowning. Yeah, I Good, can't because well, you up. were drowning. Yeah, you were drowning. Yeah. <laughs> I feel as if I panicked, and yeah, every time I panicked, I swallowed more water, and yeah, it probably feels like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Did you do the ladder climb as if you're trying to climb a ladder? Were you reaching? I so I was so I already had the board in my in my feet, right? So I was like trying to kick the board because he he keeps telling me just kick the board, and so every time I kick, a big wave just goes up to my face because I was already like laying down flat. <laughs> so every time I kick, it just big waves. And swallow so much water. And so I just stopped. I like to starfish myself and just stood super straight like a board. And that I found that it made me float, so I just did that until they threw me their rope and got me back in the boat. Oh dude. <laughs> okay, so when are you gonna do swimming again? Uh probably not soon. What you're not gonna learn how to swim? Uh no. <laughs>
1: Oh, dude, you should. I probably should. You That's should. Like, I
0: do know how, to, like, without anything on. I do know how to float, like just dog paddle and stuff like that. I do know how to do that, but dude, you got me beat. Yeah, I spent the last three years learning how to swim because really? I started at square zero, dude. So I can swim now. Yeah, but back then it was f- terrible. Terrible, eh? Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I sank, too. It's bad. Dude, I, I can walk z- at the bottom of the pool. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I got zero buoyancy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, negative. They call it yeah. negative buoyancy. <laughs> it's, you got heavy bones. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it's horrific. It's terrible. Man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you do so much work just to float. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm... My wife? Oh, man. She doesn't... She floats. She doesn't need to do any of that stuff. Isn't that insane? Just pe- people just do sports i want work. that power <laughs> yes. I've, give me that power <laughs> yeah. please yeah 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 it's I, a struggle dude it's, it is it is a, it, a totally different sport but yeah yeah it probably i think it feels like that just panic attacks and just yeah They're yeah real just, drowning is worse than that yeah. yeah 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 i gotcha hey what was the best spot you found to work then best spot this spot right now oh yeah i mean yeah yeah, so I've been, let's say, worked in Cornac, Esteban, um worked in Oxbow, Carlisle, so, and this now. So I've worked in five different places, and this place I'm in right now, this is where the grass is green. Dude, <laughs> dude you've been around, <laughs> yeah, I have so been you around. know that's a qualified yeah. assessment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> When they say grass is green on the other side, yeah, there's a few other sides that I've hopped. <laughs> there's a few fences I've hopped before I found the green grass, man. <laughs> I've been okay. through the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just get taken care of well. And then, like, uh, the company's well run. It's a pretty big company, so. Cool. So how do they take care of you so well? What are they doing? Um, So we get paid in steps. So we have like we have that. We are unionized. Um we have really good benefits in our at work so yeah and we have like the RSB like they match our RSB up to 7% i think it was i, th- I think it is 7% just yeah it's super oh, that's good that's pretty legit dude yeah yeah if you think about it if you're just contributing like up to if you max your contribution it's free money it really is yeah and especially they're matching yeah. yeah that's huge yeah <laughs> yeah that works out so yeah it's super good yeah yeah all right so let's say I'm the patient mm-hmm. how do I make it so that your job's a little better mm. huh actually just I think the big thing is um Get your home, like if I know not everyone's expecting us to be at their home or anything, but just think of something that is accessible to us for us. Maybe if you, especially if you have like chronic illnesses and all that, because I always find it like it's crazy how some people they're super sick, like they have chronic illnesses left and right, and. The most sick, the more sick you are, the more stuff you have at home. <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> And then you're always tucked in the very corner of your house. <laughs> like, <laughs> just the perfect situation every single time. All these obstructions. So, yes, why not, right? <laughs> there's, a, <laughs> there's actually an old lady that <laughs> every time I go to her, like I keep telling her, you got to move. There's just the one chair one chair that always blocks a, like a corner it's, <laughs> it just gets super tight so i always move this chair to the side and have to put it back and i keep telling her <laughs> every time i go there this you got to take get this chair out of here cuz <laughs> we're this i don't think this is going to be the last one we're going to be here so you got to make it accessible <laughs> okay so accessibility a <laughs> clear accessibility, path to exit. Exam- um just get your story cuz cuz this. Like I said, just your story and like what's going on. And like, well, given that you can, you are fully uh, aware and like fully conscious and alert. So just get us, give us straight answers. Oh, yeah. Don't be around the bush. Yeah. Tell you the timeline. Yeah. It's super helpful when patients know what they. Uh, What medications they take, what they have for health conditions, um, what happened today, what changed or anything like that. If you have a list of your medications, you have a list of your health conditions, it's just that. It's super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great for anybody with a lot of medications and conditions. Yeah. Yeah. It just um, fast tracks everything, right? Like get Usually, they all most people always have their health cards with them, which we can also get your just your information. Mostly fully conscious people, aware people, is like such a lot easier patients for us. And yeah, just because of like just the history. History is so big. Like what's going on? What changed? What oh, happened in the day or the week? the, the day or the week? Because sometimes you get sick for a whole week but you decide to call now. So what changed, right? Like what, why did you just wait? Like what changed today? Something must have changed. Well, what's a big change you saw? Well, sometimes it just, well, they've been sick all week, but today it's just tougher to move around. Cause I get short, more short of breath. When I move, I get up, go to the bathroom. I get more short of breath, something like that. Like if you, some people might have a flu, but Today, they just can't keep anything down. They have just been throwing up, so it's like it's an emergency too. So sometimes uh, diarrhea plus the vomiting too. It's like oh, it's it's bad, man. Some people's blood pressure just tanks. Oh, because <laughs> they have no fluids or anything. No fluids or anything. It just dries you up. Yeah. yeah. Some some changes, some minor changes like that, and yeah, it's. So it's, what's something that. You would definitely call an ambulance for. Oh, um, this comes back to like everyone has different emer- like lines of emergencies, right? Some people, like I said, panic attacks—they would call it an emergency I like ambulance for that. Um, it just depends on whether or not it's an emergency for you, really. Like, yeah, man, that's so understanding. Yeah. Yeah. So you only care if it's an emergency to the patient. Yeah. It gets, honestly, it gets frustrating sometimes because you could just tell them like, no, this isn't an emergency. But to them, it's an emergency. What's a frustrating call? Mostly maybe just the, um, I can't get in with my family doctor today, so I'll just call the ambulance. People do that and then, or sometimes people just feel lonely. They just need a quick talk with someone they call us i'd say it's frustrating but dude if it's an emergency call me i'll be there i guess that's your job yeah it is the job so what's the lonely thing what happens well people just especially in holidays we just had that recently too with the thanksgiving right people that are far from family no access to them or like No ride to them, or they family can't visit, or just depends on the situation. People get just get lonely on holidays. They would call us. We would sit down, talk to people. Wait, so they call you, and what do they tell you to make you to come to their house? Sometimes they would just come up with something like, "I'm short of breath today." That's just why this is where that um conversation thing happens too, right? Like, I've been falling. And it's just been tough to get around. And then you start talking to them, start talking to them. And then you just find out that their son's trying to, like, sell their house or, like, yeah, trying to get that money. Like, ah, okay, so I see what's going on here. So, like, we'll sit down with you, talk with you for a while, hang out with you. Actually, like, if it's an emergency for you, by all means call the ambulance, we'll... We'll be there. We might be, some days we get busy. We get, but mm, we're here for it. Yeah. Do it. How fast could you leave that call though? Oh, de- uh, it depends. Um, The, I think the best example one was, uh, we had this lady who said she's been falling and we did found her on the floor. So we just helped her up. Got her on a chair. There's no injuries or anything like that. We got to talking, and, and yeah, her sons are like, we're just there and earlier and just left without saying bye to her or anything. It's super sad, man. So we just sat with her for like twenty minutes, maybe it was, and she was super grateful, super happy with the company. She sent us off with a cook a bunch of cookies. Ah, yeah, she literally went up. To her car- cookie cupboard, and <laughs> just grabbed a fresh um, oh, what are those pack of cookies like the? It's blue, the ah. Oh, are these sugar cookies? <laughs> oh, the chips Ahoy! Yeah, chips Ahoy! <laughs> a whole pack of chips, the big family pack of chips Ahoy! She just handed it to us, and she was like, "You guys should just hide it so the neighbors won't see it." <laughs> she was super sweet, and, I, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, we just. Hung out with her for twenty minutes. Man, you changed her evening. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what's and the best part about your job? Oh, that's just that getting making people's emergencies just a little bit better, helping out. Not even like um, saving a life is super awesome, but it's not the like it's not every call you save a life, right? It just giving them that little bit of um there's something better making their day a little bit better right like um like i said everybody's emergency is different so you can't really judge people but like just make try to make their people's day better oh man it's super fulfilling yeah it's yeah (laughs) it's so fun and even like just talking to people. I oh I, that's like my favorite thing now. Just having striking conversations with people. Yeah. Uh, just making people's day better. Man, you went from not wanting to talk to anybody. Oh dude, it's super awesome. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I enjoy it a lot like yeah. I think that's that that's my favorite part of the job. And like just the camaraderie with the like people I work with too has It's super awesome because, like, somehow we all have the same goal. So it doesn't matter who you really work with. It's, yeah, the goal is not glory for yourself, right? It's for the patient. Like, you're here for the patient. The focus is the patient. You really are, though. Yeah. Considering you don't care what they call you for. If it's an emergency to them. Call me, man. Like, yeah, I I'd hang out with you for a bit. <laughs> yeah, if it's an emergency, dude, nine, oh, maybe assess it a little bit better, too. <laughs> yeah, you can't be sending these out willy-nilly. Yeah, right? there's, also, there's also laws and rules about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> If you call us five times it's like the yeah. fifth time we'll probably show up with the cops too <laughs> but if you call me five times have a nice neat clean house and send me away with cookies oh, now dude. we're talking <laughs> say less <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah. all right dude so should we call it okay yeah, dude <laughs>